In the previous podcast, I talked about the formation of self, how both genetics and our environment play an instrumental part in the formation of self. Although someone may have a predisposition to acquiring mental health troubles, it is undisputable that the environment in which we grow up, or our nurturing or lack thereof, is the primary factor in whether complex PTSD takes hold or not. In fact, the statistics are staggering as to how many people with complex PTSD in their informative years of development lack nurturing and validation from their primary caregivers. This seems to be the common thread amongst complex PTSD survivors. The lack of nurturing is easily understood when both parents are absent. But in a lot of cases with complex PTSD, the maternal caregiver is present, but she is just psychologically not available to the child. And it's this lack of availability, psychologically speaking, that does a huge amount of damage in the formation of self. In the most extreme cases, the mother may not even recognise the child as its own individual person, but yet view the child as an extension of her own self. So in this podcast, I'd like to explore the impacts of narcissistic parenting and how this sows the seeds for the development of complex post-traumatic stress disorder. In ancient Greek mythology, Narcissus was a boy hunter. He was the son of the river god Cephasus. He noticed his reflection in the river one day and was taken back by his own beauty. He was so proud, so proud in fact that he disdained those who actually loved him. He soon realised that nobody could love him with the intensity and magnitude of which he loved himself, so he committed suicide. This fable about Narcissus is the origin of the term Narcissism, which is a fixation of oneself or one's physical appearance or public perception. If you were to ask any well-adjusted parent, they would without a doubt say that they care for their children more than themselves. But this is not true with Narcissists. People with narcissistic personality disorder are characterised by their persistent grandiosity, excessive need for admiration and disdain for lack of empathy for others, and exhibit power-seeking behaviours. They have an inability to tolerate criticism of any kind and exhibit a fragile ego state that's protected by belittling others in an attempt to validate their own superiority. In fact, they exploit others to achieve their own personal gains. This is highly probable because during their childhood, they gained excessive admiration that was never really balanced with realistic feedback. Their perception is at odds with reality. So the individual lives in a kind of fantasy world, which they create through their own narrative. Adult children of narcissists have a difficult time putting their finger on what was wrong growing up because denial is rampant in the family environment. The family secret is the parents aren't meeting the children's needs emotionally and that they're discouraged from expressing this to the outside world. It's typical for only one of the parents to be narcissistic, the other left to orbit the narcissist much like their children to keep the marriage intact. While the other parent has redeeming qualities to give to the children in constantly meeting the needs of the narcissistic spouse, they have very little energy or opportunities left to nurture the children in the way they see fit. In healthy families, there's a strong sense of parental hierarchy in which the parents are in charge and shining love, light, guidance and direction down to the children. In narcissistic families, however, this hierarchy is non-existent. The children are there to serve the parental needs. The narcissistic parent or parents lack the ability to emotionally tune into their kids. They can't feel or show empathy or unconditional love. They are typically critical and judgmental. The most common means of communication in a narcissistic family is triangulation. Information is not direct. It is told through one party about another in hopes it will get back to the other party. 
Family members talk about each other to other members of the family but don't confront each other directly. This creates passive-aggressive behaviour, tension and mistrust. When communication is direct, it is often in the form of anger or rage. It's very common for adult children of narcissists to have difficulty knowing the difference between assertiveness and confrontation, making it very difficult to get their adult needs met in a respectable manner. There are very few boundaries in the narcissistic family. Children's feelings are not considered important. Private diaries are read, physical boundaries are not kept, and emotional boundaries are not respected. The right to privacy is not typically a part of the family history. The children consider their own emotional needs unimportant. Their sense of survival depends on keeping the narcissist happy and pacifying the narcissist, and this is far more important than their own individual happiness. Siblings are not encouraged to be close. In healthy families, we encourage our children to be loving and close to each other. In narcissistic families, however, children are pitted against one another and taught competition. There is a constant comparison of who is doing better and who is not. The siblings rarely grow up in families like this feeling emotionally connected to one another. In order to maintain a sense of control and self-importance within the family dynamic, the narcissist masters various forms of abuse, including forcing their children into golden child or scapegoat roles. Essentially at the core of the narcissist is an empty husk. Their sense of self really depends on their children reflecting back to them what they want to see. So as a result, they manipulate the children like pawns on a chessboard to maintain their ego state. So the narcissist fails to see their children as unique individuals to be nurtured, but rather as objects to be manipulated for their own ego protection and self-gratification. This leads to the damaging typecasting of the golden child and the scapegoat. One of the children assumes the role of the scapegoat, and they are the cause for all the ills of the family and the golden child is exalted, lavished with attention and praise. The scapegoat serves as the target of rage and trash bin of blame, while the golden child functions as the pride and joy whose successes are snatched and celebrated as her own triumphant victories. It's easy to see how the scapegoat is harmed in this all too common dynamic. She is systematically belittled and shamed, carrying the responsibility for the narcissist's self-hatred. It's harder to see the damage done to the golden child. They appear to be above reproach, adored and always excused. But like the scapegoat, the golden child is merely a pawn in the narcissistic family system with no real identity or personal boundaries of their own. It's the ultimate identity theft. The golden child is literally engulfed by the narcissistic mother or father. If the golden child is ever to break free from this conundrum, their process of recovery is indefinitely more painful than that of the scapegoat. The scapegoat, on the other hand, is forced independently to survive on her own. He or she is forced to develop a new style of independent living as a natural rejection from the narcissistic parent. It is quite common for the scapegoat to be forced out of home. While it may seem to the other siblings that the golden child gets a better deal by receiving more perceived love from the narcissist, this is merely part of the narcissist fantasy to keep the competition in play. To maintain control of this dynamic, none of the children get emotionally validated, which simply keeps them around yearning and wanting for acceptance. The narcissist employs many techniques to assert their dominance over the family to maintain their pivotal role of importance. Physical and verbal abuse, destructive physical violence, real or constant threats of abandonment, and or extreme neglect. <laughs>